Hello, I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy, and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. So my guest today is a former charity CEO and railway chaplain and is an author of two books. Uh, welcome to the show, Rob Wikes. Uh, great to uh, be with you. Yeah, excited about uh, sharing some of the journey that okay. we're on. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing about it. That was a very brief introduction. I didn't even name your book. So please do tell uh, the listeners more about yourself and, and your books and, and, and what we're going to talk about today, really. Of course. I mean, actually, the the first book I wrote was called or is called It's Not About the Furniture, um, which kind of about sums many of us up that uh, what we see on first sight is not what we're really about, is it? You know, there's there's hidden depths and there's a story that's not so obvious until you dig into it. So, yeah, I'm just an ordinary, ordinary guy grew up in Coventry um, to just ordinary factory worker parents um uh are not particularly intellectual certainly not very bright that was what i was told anyway at school yeah. um, left school had a series of jobs had a little bit of a a bit of a dalliance i would say with uh nightclubs and uh occasional falling out with men in blue <laughs> um, <laughs> as was evident in a, in a busy city like coventry yeah. and, uh, and you know then i i had uh, a string of jobs really but they were all more or less within the building the construction industry okay. um, and then i had a um a, a quite a blinding light experience a spiritual experience within the context of a church a christian experience okay. um, and that set me on a path which led to me traveling around the world into india pakistan iran most of europe and um and eventually getting married and uh, becoming the railway chaplain for the northwest of england which was very interesting and um yeah. And then spent 25 years um, building, really, and leading a charity that had a sort of regional expression, but it was primarily focused on people. We we said people on the margins, people that nobody else was interested in. That's who I'm interested in. So that kind of frames my thinking, really, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very interesting journey. Um, Could you share that? experience that you had in the church that then led you and then why perhaps that also then led you to the traveling and everything else that you did yeah I suppose I mean I I grew up in a family that was not at all exposed to what I would describe as spirituality you Mm. may say the paranormal you know anything really other than um, hitting a hammer and a nail you know that sort of that kind of very industrial um yeah kind of background um my parents didn't read actually i never saw a book in our house until i was older okay. um, so yeah so I, that's a kind of setting and then i just had this incredible experience i went i was taken along if you like or invited to a church there was a, a lot of stuff going on lots of lively it wasn't sort of you got images in your mind of a church you know perhaps you know the sort of church with bells and smells and pictures mirrors and uh, windows with pictures in but this was a very very lively creative 1980s sort of um, new movement sort of church and um that stuff yeah and you know the probably the phrase happy clappies comes from that because they were all clapping and very happy you know and i I remember thinking they've got something i haven't uh, or they've taken something that i haven't you know and uh and i i just had a a genuine experience an out-of-body experience i felt as though I was I kind of not in the room, not present, no. looking at it from outside. I mean, it's a, probably a commonish experience for some people. And um, and I uh, at that moment, I think, um, you know, I could put lots of words around it, you know, 40 years later. But mm. at that moment, I think I realised that there was something more um, in the universe than just my intellectual capacity and my physical presence Um, and so I would describe it as probably my first ever spiritual moment Mm. Um, 
uh, of course, it takes a lifetime then to unfold. I what, what does it mean? Well, yeah, exactly. What does it mean? And at that point, I'd never travelled more than London, you know, from Coventry. Yeah. And I think I'd had a, a, a trip to France twice with the school. So I randomly went straight down to our city centre, bought a ticket to Athens on the magic bus. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, two or three weeks later, I was on a coach heading through Europe, going to Athens. I spent some time on the islands. It's bumming around, really. And mm. then I drifted into Turkey. Um, and I, effectively, what I did was I, I sort of bled into the into the east because I went through Turkey. Um, and then I managed somehow to get myself in Iran and back out again, which was the, yeah. was the key. <laughs> yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I got a kind of a, a six-day pass to get through Iran. Okay. Um, and that, that dropped me on the border of Pakistan, where, again, I... I met very interesting spiritual people, not from the the Christian religion that I, I assigned to, as it were. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I began to experience and see and hear um, other, another kind of spirituality. Um, and then I got to India, um, spent time in India. I was almost a year in India mm. um, and then came back to the UK. And I think that for me was one of those defining experiences where I wasn't going to be boxed in after that right. with a single thought process. So, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a fully fledged signed up member of Christianity. Yeah. And yet at the same time, I, I read Buddhist material. I, I read all kinds of stuff, Sanskrit. I'm very, very intrigued by the idea that we are more than our body and more than our mind. And yeah. I think for me, that's what helped me, uh, or if you like, led me into a life of serving and helping people for whom this world's a bit of a shitty place, to be honest. You know, mm -hmm. if you grow up in a family that doesn't really love or care for you mm -hmm. and you go through school feeling rotten and then you leave and you can't get a job and, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff, um, I, I just... I just had this passion, A, to step in and help people find a new way, some hope, some some change, some something better, but at the same time help them to understand that we're not the sub, you know, we're not the sum total, if you like, of our educational attainment or our physique. Yeah. I mean, I basically have not got a great educational attainment if i'm absolutely honest but i also i've got a very got a very large bmi as you could probably see if you if you were looking at me <laughs> so, so my body is very well fed you know um, and i you know i'm trying to feed my mind yeah. with reading and stuff but there's something about us that those things that we categorize people with um don't really matter um, and that's how i describe it in fact in the book in, in in my book, Pause, my latest book, mm. um, I do discuss it in there. One point, there's a, an illustration, if you like, that I use. Uh, you know, the, um, a, a daughter comes home from school or college and 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 she's not she's out of sorts. And mom says to her, are you OK? Are you sickening? Um, have you eaten? Um, uh, is something happening at college? Are you worried about what's going to happen? Right. And what, what that means is we. Mommy's going through all the, the known categories to try and dis, decide what's going on inside their young daughter. Yeah. Well, I asked the question, that's all well and good for us. We've got loads of those things. We categorize ourselves. But in spiritual terms, actually, we don't really have those categories because it's not an intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And so we don't measure and monitor our spiritual life by how thin or fat we are how tall or short how many degrees we've got yeah. and so i i describe that as a tremendous leveler um i, I remember um, one year we had um at, at st paul's the, the place i was uh, leading the charity it was called st paul's center yeah. um, we had a lady who genuinely lived in a house i think it was about 1.2 million the house which yeah. actually is not insignificant and certainly she had a lifestyle that went with that mm. and she was sat um, in our reception with a guy that at the time was living under a bridge down the road so genuinely homeless 
got nothing at all. You know? Yeah. Literally just the bin bag that he kept dragging into the centre every day. Yeah. We let him have a shower and all that stuff. But I remember watching them and she was a very, very kind hearted person, but also quite a spiritual person. Yeah. And he was exploring, he was having a discussion about spirituality uh, in, in, a, in a kind of churchy type way, really. And it was just interesting. I remember looking at them and listening to them and thinking they're entirely equal at a spiritual level, mm. but they're entirely worlds apart in every other way we measure things. Mm. So that's what I mean by categories. We, 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 can, we can assess each other. We can support each other in this world, in this material world. But when it comes to the spiritual realm, it's a totally different language, different set of processes, mm. and it's it's just not as easily um, contained and controlled. So I, that's why I, you know, it just excites me, really, because yeah. it allows people to know there's something about them um, that is so special and unique and individual and will never really conform to what the rest of the universe or well, the universe, the rest of the world, the human world wants from it. And that's a really important thing if you're struggling with life. Yeah. Especially if you think you're never going to match up to person down the road, you know. Yeah, most definitely. But actually, like you said, there's a, there's a, 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 a commonality and a, and a, a, we can find in almost anybody, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Right in the center there. Yeah. The heart of a person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, it's just that what people have attained in their life, what they've got materialistically, what they might be doing is 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 irrelevant when it comes to where we can connect on certain levels. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, interestingly, I, I again in the book. Uh, sorry, I keep referring to. The book. No, keep talking about the book. That's obviously <laughs> one of the main reasons that we're here. <laughs> it's and it's quite interesting because when you when you talk about spirituality, spirituality is a very abstract subject. Mm. And it's a frustrating subject because for most of us, we're really wired for the hard stuff, you know. So, you know, can you describe it? Can you draw mm. it? Can you can you can you measure it, quantify it, weigh it? Mm. Whereas spirituality and you know, mysticism, if you like, is another great word. It's it's about something which is almost impossible to truly describe. Mm. Um, but I, in the book, I remember reflecting. I was in Santiago de Compostela in in Spain, and it's it's the it's the famous place, Saint James's Cathedral, where um, pilgrims walk from all parts of Europe, and they they land, as it were. That's where you arrive. That's the end of the pilgrimage at Saint yeah. James's, and there's a big square. And I remember sitting there having a coffee one. Actually, it might have been a glass of wine thinking about it. But, you know, I was, I was sat in the square, you know, watching these pilgrims arrive with the biggest blisters you've ever seen, some of them, yeah. you know, and um, bedraggled. But I remember watching two women arrive and it was quite clear they walked a long way together, they very weathered. And they stopped just at the doorway to the cathedral, looked at each other and just cried. You know, it, no words were spoken. I remember it was a beautiful moment to watch and probably for them, one of their most beautiful moments in life. Um, and it just struck me in that moment that they were not needing to communicate with words. Um, they just something inside each of them knew something that the other one knew mm. that the rest of us were not part of. Yeah. yeah. And. And I reflect that, you know, it, some of it will have been emotional. They perhaps just walked hundreds of miles. Yeah. Some of it would have been the fact that they've achieved something. But actually, I, I think there was something much more profound going on. And I, I suspect that was their moment when both of their spirits within them recognised that the other had a spirit. And so, I, you know, again, you know, that's that's my reflection on it. But I, I, you know, I, I often wonder how much, you know, you and I, we communicate with each other at a level which requires no questions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the other things I often say about, you know, my book's called Pause, A Spiritual Power. And when I'm asked to describe what I mean by pause, everybody wants me to say, oh, it's stopping something. Yeah. Because you pause the TV, you see. But actually, when I describe the word pause, pause for me isn't a pause unless not only has something stopped, but something else has begun. 
And the thing that's begun doesn't really belong to the things that we measure that we would stop. Right, okay. So if that, that that might sound a bit a bit complex, but I don't think it is because I think it's saying it's not enough to get to a doorway. You must walk through it. Right. And pausing is when we when we move from being mind and body into being spiritual as well. Mm. Um, in fact, one of the phrases I often use is a pause is when the body, the mind, and the spirit coalesce around a single moment in time. So all three of them are present. Okay. Um, and in fact, one of the big cries of my heart is, you know, I think there's a part of us as human beings that is very often crying. Can you give me some attention? You know, it's yeah. like Definitely. it's like the it's like the third child in a family, yeah. you know, everybody's <laughs> ignoring. <you know? laughs> I I'm fortunate I was the second, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's true, you know, I'm in a family yeah. of four, and you know, my, my poor my sister who was the third, you know. You know, there's just something about it, you know, not, it, nothing critical. But I guess mum and dad had already, they'd had a girl. Mm. Um, that was exciting. I mean, a first child. Then they had a boy, the second child, which was different. Then they had another girl. And I'm guessing, you know, it's been here before, done it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, body, mind and spirit is crying out for some attention. Yeah, I guess as well, there's the, there's one child, they get all the attention, two yeah. children, there's less attention, but you're still going to be a fair amount. And then when you get to the third, fourth, and whatever it is, there's less yes. attention to go around anyway. Absolutely, yeah. It's all exhausted. The energy is, um, yeah, is exhausted. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting what you said about those two ladies. Like it was, it was like they actually really saw each other or something. You know, there's there's a depth to that connection that they were making. That, like you said, no words, just this emotional spiritual as you put it connection where they just both were on the exactly the same page type thing yes yeah and and you know i suspect that that's that's possible for us mm. as we get more intimate i i noticed um i mean it's interesting you know i'm, I'm speaking to you the relationship guy <laughs> and um some some of the listeners may be thinking well, what's this got to do with relationship you know <laughs> almost, which almost be... everything I was... <laughs> <laughs> exactly which i you know it's a valid question but mm. you know for you know for well for 30 years i spent my life um working with people reaching out to people engaged with people often in difficult circumstances, but not always. And certainly for 25 of them, I, I managed people. I was an employer. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, I've, I've been the I've been the boss. Right. I've done all that. And I, you know, I would say I was very privileged. In fact, when I finished, I said to my staff, they asked me because I was still quite young. Um, well, I was 57. I think that's young. <laughs> but, you know, they asked me, what was I going to go and do, run another charity? And I said, I'm never going to manage people ever again. Mm. And it was not because I'd had a bad experience. It's because I'd, I think I've had the best experience you can have. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to risk ruining that, you know. But I actually put it down to um, I worked very fortunately. I worked in a place that accepted that there was a spiritual dimension to to us. Okay. And um, so it wasn't it wasn't incumbent on everybody to be a per, a religious person, but we asked everybody that worked with us and joined us voluntary or not, um, to just accept that we're an organisation that has a, a spiritual basis, um, and that you know although we come from a Christian background, we at, at least ask people to accept that there is an element of them that isn't just the thinking and just their body. Um, so that was a kind of core principle. But what it led to was most of the staff and volunteers, and actually a lot of the people that engage with us, um, understood that there was a dimension to everybody around them hmm. that was very, very deep and not easily accessed by a conversation or by a behavior. Yeah. And also that, that it was possible. This is an interesting one. Um, I, I, we all have dealt with depression. We know about um, uh, depression and mental health problems. It's huge for mm. a lot of us. Um, but there's also such a thing as spiritual depression. Okay. And within our organization, that was kind of acknowledged that it was possible to have spiritual depression and uh, therefore also possible as it is with you know mental health and, and and the kind of depression that we might think of as not spiritual that there is another side to that which is having joy and hope 
and you know aspiration and um and so we just seem to be able to see each other as a team of people in a, almost a three-dimensional way mm-hmm. um so not everything was put down to what you said or what you did other things could be extrapolated if you like from a spiritual well-being okay um, and then also that helped because i don't know about you but when i was in a very busy environment if somebody said to me i just need to go and take some time to center myself well that you know is that a fag out the back gate is that <laughs> <laughs> and i grew up in the era where you know it really was thought that way was, but, yeah. yeah whereas actually do you know, it, it was great for me to allow, for instance, I had a little a, a group of, of people uh, in the in the in the uh, charity who would say, is it OK if we go off for 10 minutes and have a pray? And, you know, I could easily have thought, well, I'm, I'm paying you £15.22 an hour, you know, I'm not paying <laughs> you, you know, and you're supposed to be typing letters or whatever it is you do. Yeah. But actually, we recognised there was a power or, or a strong influence in the spiritual aspect of a person's life um, that made a holistic difference, not just to them, but to the whole team. Yeah, it's very weird, isn't it? Because you look at that differently, like you said, to having a cigarette or going to make a cup of tea or something. Yeah. <laughs> can I just take 10 minutes to go and have a pray? What? But can I nip out and have a fag for a break? Oh, yeah, of course. There you go. It's funny how we, yes. you know, in our own minds, we might not equate them as being a way of re-energising. And, and of course, now I have to say, you know, now mindfulness and, you know, um, well-being, mental well-being is allowing us as a society to think a little bit more three-dimensional, mm. that there is more to a person. Um, and I think that's really helpful. I mean, it's very exciting, really, isn't it, to, uh, you know, certainly in the workplace, for instance, and within relationships to recognise interesting that there's a value to to solitude or silence or or meditation yeah. or contemplation in fact i i'm in three weeks time i'm going on a a week's silent retreat to a monastery okay and, and you know my wife's going to be clapping her hands you know <laughs> <laughs> well, in the monastery though because you're not allowed to make that noise no. <laughs> but you know um you know, having time apart in a relationship is as valuable as having time together. Um, accepting that um, we are we are unique and special and we need to invest in that part of our lives as much as any other part of our life. So, yeah, I, I, I think it, it really improved relationships for us where I worked. Um, yeah, it just did. It was it was a, it was a great marker for us. Like you said, if that's something that can connect you if you can connect on that spiritual level it, like there is a depth to that isn't it it's not just about the mind it's not just about being physically in the same sort of space with each other mm. there's a real depth of connection and understanding that i think you would need to get someone spirit even if you're not on the same spirit yes. is to be able to engage in that space with somebody else yes absolutely in fact i, I um for i guess nearly 15 years i practiced um, silence with um, one of my volunteers mm-hmm. so, you know he and I literally sat together in a room for 30 minutes and didn't speak uh, which sounds like dear me you must have been bored stiff you know <laughs> um, but actually um, no just being together being silent mm. um, had such a great power to it and a sense of presence mm. I mean, one, of, one of the things I think is 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 really really important um is is being present you know is um i read a book um i've read loads of books i mean i read a book by a guy called henry newen henry newen was a catholic priest mm-hmm. who worked with um actually people with learning difficulties for many years but he was also a theologian he was a very deep individual but he describes in one of his books about growing um what he about not growing developing your own desert place okay. so he makes this this point that um in the i think the third fourth century when people wanted to really get spiritual as it were they would go off into the desert and live in a cave yeah but of course henry newen says well it's not very practical, that is it? Cave or something in the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> if you've got a if you've got a you know a mortgage and a family or whatever it is you've got. So 
he said, create your own desert place wherever you are. And, th and I thought it's really interesting because it was about creating for yourself a space yeah. for you to live in, to experience your spirituality. And mm -hmm. it might be for 10 minutes a day. It, it might be for 10 hours. I don't know. But yeah, just one that's workable for you. But after I read that book, I read another book. and I, I got the guy's quote here in front of me. It, it's called The Examined Life. And it's worth, uh, here's me trying to promote my book, but if yeah. you ever get this book, it's a guy called Stephen Gross. He was a, I think he was a, a psych, psychoanalyst, really. You know, he was a counsellor. The yeah. Examined Life. And he wrote that the future is not some place that we're going to, but an idea in our mind now. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to say that the future is a fantasy that shapes our present. And I always thought... You're right. You're if, if you're living in the future, in the, you're you're not really there, are you? It's just yeah. a a fantasy. It doesn't really exist, does it? The future doesn't exist. In, in no, it only exists. Until it happens, and now. then it's not the future anymore. It's just the present. <laughs> and, and and so, it, it, as I reflected on that, um, it it strikes me that we think a lot about the future, and we put a lot of energy into thinking about the future or planning it or imagining it. But what we're really doing is we're ignoring the present. And in some ways, I think that's to do with um, us fearing the present moment. And actually, if you can't enter the present moment, then you're never going to really experience pause, spirituality. Mm. In fact, mindfulness is all about the present moment, isn't it? Just, just get taking some time and pressing that button. And, and you know, I've, I've often um, I've often wondered about that. I've often wondered um, if our thoughts about the future are really an, a mechanism to to prevent us from stopping, from resting, from pausing, from mm -hmm. um, you know taking that necessary moment that we have. I um, and I also think, and I do address this in the book. Actually, pause in the book that sometimes I think that we are fearful that there's something unproductive about taking a moment most definitely uh, I, you know, I, we, yeah, yeah a lot of people that i work with are they really struggle with this sitting down and finding some me time yes a lot of, a lot of pressure guilt whatever it might be in that i need to be busy i need to be doing something this is what i was always taught and everything else is that if i'm not if i'm sitting still i'm, I'm going backwards and all that kind of stuff you know <laughs> That is that's all in our mind, isn't yeah. it? Mm. It really is. Yeah. Actually, I think it's a there's a there's a there's a subtlety too in our thinking that we 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 often think that way because we're taught that there's got to be a return on our investment. Mm. And I can see a return on the investment of working, but I can't in waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So and, and that's just how we're wired. Yeah. And so when I one of the things I, I, I'm trying to do, I'm aiming to do with the book is I'm not trying to solve a problem or end a conversation or 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 give answers to every question. Mm. I want to open a conversation, really, in an in individual's mind that reads it, that allows them to think there's some value in just taking a moment mm. and that I don't have to get something from it. One of the one of the things that I, I came to realize quite early on, I say 20 odd years ago, was that if I have spiritual moments, so I, I take a moment, I do my exercises. So there are certain things that I, you know, I do, lots of people do different things in order to get into silence and solitude, perhaps, and, and being still. And then hopefully my pause happens, this moment where it's not just things stopping, but something starts. But I had to train myself and work really hard to know that I might have the most beautiful, transcendent experience, but it's not going to come back with me into the material world. Right. So it's not an investment that I'm going to get a return on necessarily in the way that you see every other return. Now, I say that with a bit of caveat that, that I can say for me, it's definitely benefited my life. And so, you know, it's it's a bit like, I mean, I don't know if you, you know, I'm sure some of your listeners, some of our listeners will will go to the gym and use the gym equipment or whatever it is you do, cycling. Um, but, you know, 
I haven't met anybody, for instance, that runs that will honestly say they really, really enjoy it and it's never painful. <laughs> you know, I know. It's always enjoyable, but and then if you're doing it, you're doing it hard enough, it's always painful. It is. And because there's that, there's always some, you know, there is always some cost to that stuff. Um, but the payback always comes, doesn't it, eventually? And it's never in that moment. So what what I often say is I think if you if you if you focus yourself and prepare yourself for a spiritual encounter and one happens, um, don't assume that that immediate moment there's going to be something come back. Mm. The best way I describe that is I often would have a problem, for instance, with a member of staff, um, you know, just human nature. Mm. Uh, somebody would be a bit arsy or whatever, you know, and I would, I would, I would go away from that situation and I would, you know, sit and meditate or whatever I do. I do one of my exercises, which would invariably lead me into a moment of pause, a place where I was conscious of my spirituality. Um, but when I came back, they were still, you know, got a face like a smack tribe or whatever. They're still there in yeah. the office with a mood. Yeah. <laughs> you see, the problem doesn't go away. Um, but I sense that I was probably approaching it differently as a result. Yeah, definitely. So you went, like you said, you went into a, a more of a spiritual place, tried to maybe understand the situation, switch off from the situation, process the situation, where they were just sitting in their heads, mulling over the situation, being yes. upset about the situation, being upset about everything. Uh, and you could, you could see the difference in how you were dealing with 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 yes. the, the same scenario, which ultimately is a is an improvement in our relationships. You know, it, it, it definitely advances our relationships, well, especially with that kind of example. Because I, I think it's hard to it's hard to keep something going with someone when they're not keeping it going. You can try your best, can't you? If yes. it's yeah. old for you and you, you haven't quite put it to bed or you need a different outcome or a different answer, you can keep going at somebody. But if they're not entertaining, continuing that space, it's it's very difficult for you to continue that space too. And it hopefully then affords you that time for reflection and taking a step back and going, okay, if they're not engaging in this space, why am I still carrying this? Yes, yeah. I mean, that's, there's a lot of validity in that. And, and you're right, it's a two-way street. I mean, reconciliation is a two-way street, yeah, isn't it? In, interestingly, the you know the very famous prayer that you know, we we say, you know, that, that Jesus taught, you know, um, forgive me as as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. The whole context is actually let me deal with myself first. Yeah, and you know that's another great important lesson that I've learned as as, as I've gone through life. Really, um, is that you know let me deal with myself first. You know where am I at in mm. all this? Mm. Um, and 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 you know self reflection is the most powerful tool, a very very powerful tool mm. because. Self-reflection reminds us that we're no different to the person sat in front of us. And, you know, what 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 makes the difference is not always because, you know, I'm just talking to someone earlier today about my grandson, who's a footballer. Um, well, he's, he's learning, you know, he's, he's in he's in academy football yeah. um, and there'll be a hundred kids as good as him. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some reason why he may get chosen and they don't yeah. um, or the other way around. And it's not generally just because of more skill or, you know, better personality. There'll be a million things uh, that bring it in. So that just reminds me that it's not entirely about your performance, about your, you know, your character, your personality. There is something else about us that ha that we can we can turn to. Um, and, I, and I'm not convinced that attempting to look at my spirit and my spiritual life as something that I can improve or better mm -hmm. helps because I don't think you can. This is my view. Um, it might not be everybody's view, but my view is that your intellect can be altered and changed and improved and developed. Mm -hmm. And so can your body, your physique. Mm. Um, you know your digestion system whatever but actually your spirit i believe is is a fixed thing okay um yeah and i so and because of that it, it doesn't err it doesn't change and um and and that's really for me why i believe um, um you know pause a spiritual power in my book 
um, is is about how do we access that part of us that's the yeah. most constant about our okay. humanity. Right. So is it so? so it's I, not whether whether it can change or not. It's how open you are to accessing it. To, to accessing it because it's not an emotional thing. So we know where our emotions sit, and we're mm. very aware of of how our emotions change. Mm. Um, and, and the same with our thinking. You know, we can think wrong thoughts. You know, mm. or you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, we can get confused about things, but our spirit, the spirit within us is, I mean, my personal belief, it is transcendent. It is part of, you know, a, a, another topic, but it's part of whatever we describe God as. Um, so it's beyond, um, you know, the whole realm that we would normally operate in. In fact, I read a great, and there's a guy called Bede Griffiths, um, who, uh, who was a, a monk, um, he was a, a, um, a Benedictine monk yeah. who went and lived in India and did a really bizarre thing in some ways. He lived in India and started an ashram. So he, he looked and sounded and almost acted like a Hindu. Okay. Um, you know, he sat on the floor and ate with his hands and he wore a serif robe. But, you know, Bede Griffiths describes, now he uses the word God, and I'm conscious not everybody accepts that there is a God or thinks of God as a grey bearded <laughs> chapel <laughs> standing on the top of a cloud somewhere. But, you know, I, I read this uh, in his book. And again, it's a little say a little line that I, I never forget. He said, your natural senses cannot possess God or unite you to God. No, your inward faculties of understanding, will, memory, and she's talking about your intellect and all that stuff. Yeah. They can only reach after God, but they cannot be the place of God's habitation. And if you take the word, I don't like to do that, but if you were to take the word God out of there and put spirituality, what he's really saying is there's a part of us that's that's actually we can use our intellect and our physical self to reach towards it. But our mind and our body will never be the actual seat of it. Mm-hmm. It's separate. And that's a really tough one to get your head around, isn't it? Because it's. Yeah. And does, it, does it go into that in your book? About, because I it guess does. your book is about, it's not about faith, it's necessarily, it's about spirituality and a conversation on the possibility that there is something more. Yes. it's it, And it's actually, it's not even published by a religious um, publisher. My, my, my primary aim. Um, and, and it's in a sense, it comes from um, this, that, of course, I love talking about religion. I'm a religious person. I go to a church. Um, but I came to realise and I came to realise this a long time ago. It's pointless having a conversation with somebody about religion and God. Mm. Um, if 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 you haven't had a conversation about, do you even think you're a spiritual person? Yeah, because if, God... said, if you believe if you don't believe in God and you're trying to get them to understand spirituality using those in the context of god yes you're going to lose them as soon as you say the word god. Yeah. i mean it's a bit like saying i want to talk to you about the chinese language to somebody that doesn't believe china exists <laughs> yeah. you know it's, it's like as a pointless exercise and, and so my book is not either an attempt to it's not a back door to god it mm. is literally to say look at the very heart of our humanity is that what makes us human is we are more than our thoughts and more than our body. Yeah. And and the, the, the pause of spiritual power and the subtitle is, is is discovering a doorway to our spirituality. So so I don't it's not an exclusively religious book. And it's very often doesn't. I mean, most of the writers in there I've commented on are not religious and um, some are scientists and stuff. It's just asking you to think about there's a dimension to you, mm-hmm. which which is different so vastly different yeah. and um and calming in a way because it then means there's a bit of you that in a and this is this is what i think i started saying there's a part of us that doesn't need improving and and every time i look in the mirror i know there's a big part of me that does need improving <laughs> and, you know and when i and when i go out or go to a job or i you know go to a coffee shop or a pub and i start speaking to people there's bits of me I realise are not quite as good as, you know, the person I'm talking to. Or I look at them and think, well, they're not quite as good as me. You know, I look in the mirror and I think I could do with a, 
I could do with some bigger trousers or a, a shorter waist. All that stuff is true. It's not harmful, true. But of the spirit within us, there's no need for improvement. All you need to do is access it. Yeah. And, you know, and there's the conundrum, the mystery, the challenge. How do I access it? And my answer to that, which is in the book, too, is I used to do a lot of cycling. Um, and I still go out on my bike quite a bit. Yeah. I love doing circular routes. I hate going A to B and back again. Right. And so when I first started here in Cheshire, where I live, I would take the map with me, uh, OS maps. I didn't have a mobile phone with a GPS on yeah. and, um, and Strava. Um, but I'd take my map and, you know, I'd literally get to junctions and I would check, is it left or right? Is it left or right? You see? And eventually circle back maybe 50 mile. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that when I got some set patterns, which I now have, I don't I didn't need to look at my map. At first, I looked at my map every junction. Then it would be every 10 junctions. Yeah. And, you know, now I don't even take a map with me. And that's not because I'm, I'm a cheat and I've got a mobile phone. <laughs> it's because <laughs> no, I've, I've imprinted in my mind yeah. the map. And so now I enjoy the ride. I don't need too many questions when I get to a junction mm -hmm. and, and I just keep, and I call it circling back home. Now, when it comes to spirituality, what I say is if you create for yourself, some very practical, simple exercises that might put you in the goalposts that might put you at the doorway to spirituality. So, you know, sit for five minutes every day and listen to your breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Learn, learn what it means to go and sit in nature um, and literally look at the grass grow. Mm -hmm. Sounds terribly boring. But if you create two or three things that you could just start doing every single day, don't aim for mindfulness because that's a great thing to do. Do that another time because or, or for instance, contemplation. We think about contemplation, meditation mm. and prayer. Now, contemplation, meditation and prayer are exercises of the mind. And we're trying here in port with pause to get beyond the mind, to yeah. stop the mind from making all the decisions and thoughts. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. I try to find something that I, is circular, familiar and easy. Okay. And I do find that and lots of people have told me this works. You know, I do find that I then get past. It's called the chattering monkeys. You know, if you, you know, you may have, have heard that type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um because because what happens is you you stop the first few times you stop, you start to think, well, I've got to not think. <laughs> then yeah. you think about how you don't think. Yeah. You know, or you know, you think about the car's not working, you know, the da-da-da-da. Um but it takes time. You've got to about mindfulness, isn't it? It's about letting those thoughts come in and go out without focusing on what they are is just yes a thought then let it go and the next one will come because again like you said unless you're probably um, a monk sitting in the himalayas somewhere and been <laughs> at this for 25 years or so it's very difficult to shut everything else out so it's again it's about that finding that space where you can practice if it comes in you can let it go rather than trying not to think it in the first place Yes. And and interestingly, when I looked at the monks and the desert, the desert, they call them desert mothers and fathers. They mm -hmm. they had these names. But um, there's some really great stories about them literally being in a cave in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and finding that the loudest noise was with them. They brought it with them in their head. Yeah, that's the biggest hurdle. That's mm -hmm. the it's kind of the last wall you have to knock down. Um, there's a there's a great story, probably apocryphal of a of a very well-known um, uh, monk who was uh, believed to pray um, for, I think it was 12 hours a day. And somebody said, you know, such a great monk, you know, how long do you pray each day uh, knowing the answer was 12 hours? And the monk says about 12 minutes. And of course the answer is, oh, such a short time for such a great monk. And he said, well, it takes me 12 hours to get to that 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just a reminder yeah. that, you know, we have to invest. Yeah. We've got to invest. Yeah. And I think that's something of the point that you made earlier on, which we'll go on to in a second, ask people how they can get hold of the book and, and a bit more. But you just, you said that earlier on, didn't you, about that ability 
I mean, I've just lost my thought process because I interrupted myself. Um, that it is a consistent thing t- to do. It's like everything. You go to the gym. You're not going to go to the gym, lift a few weights the first time, and then miraculously change your physique. It's about oh. consistency of going and putting yourself into a situation where you're focused and you're working on the right areas, doing the right things to enable to get the results that you're looking for. Yes. And like you said, even with that monk, he's been doing it for however long, but it still takes him yeah. 12 hours to find his 12 minutes of peace. It is, and actually, the, the I mean, the other lesson from that is, of course, that the it's that's muscle memory we're really talking about, isn't it? And yeah. and and actually, the 12 hours is worth the investment because they're not wasted. No. Um, and and I often think that too. You know, if I if I take myself off down to the brook um, and sit on the bench when it's dry and watch the water go by, and I'm really trying to put myself in a position where I'm experiencing my own spirit within. Um, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But even on the times when I genuinely could walk away and say, "Well, actually, what well, I was listening to the water most of the time, and, yeah. and some kids playing football and a dog barking." Um, that wasn't wasted time. That was still quality time with myself. Mm. And we, we're so self-neglecting, I think, uh, I think especially in the Western world. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I think that's how I would describe mindfulness, to be honest. Well, when I did my mindfulness training, it was about, like you said, look, even if you're listening to the river, listening to the noises, but you're not thinking about them. No. You're just no. hearing them and just allowing them to go through you. I mean, you know, because again, like as we said, I don't think you can completely, it's so difficult to completely switch it all off anyway. But if you can not think about it and, yes. just, and just hear it and let this stuff go through you, I think it's, it is, it's an experience um, I think everybody would benefit from. And like you said, it's um, something that needs to be worked upon. You know, like you said, the 12 hours in the gym are going to get you an end result they're not like it's it's building up to the result yes yeah 12 minutes in the gym is not going to give you time to get the coffee in <laughs> no, necessarily, unless you're just going to do a massively quick no, I, and, and, inter- and i think there's two other practical thoughts there for me is that again um my wife and i were in spain some years ago and we went for one of those coastal walks we we're in northern spain and mm-hmm. um, we may as well have gone to cornwall because it just looked like cornwall you know <laughs> save the save the flight ticket um yeah. uh although they did speak a different language but um it was it was just a delightful a delightful place and but very very steep down to the uh, the beaches mm. and we were walking along one part of this coastal path and it was almost a sheer drop i will never forget it i took great mm. photographs but we decided we'd have to turn back there's no way we we're going to scramble down the side of this this mm-hmm. sort of cr- cranky rock but um i noticed a rope that was staked into the ground with a great big metal stake. Mm. So I, you know, I said to my wife, shall we try it? You know, so, <laughs> um, so we tried to abseil down it yeah. and, um, and actually I, I did all right, but unfortunately my wife slipped. She'd never done abseiling before. And then, um, and then um, she slipped and she literally spun around completely. You know, you can imagine the picture. Mm quite a big thump on a rock mm-hmm. um and but we were too far gone by then so she allowed herself to slide down onto the beach um and she wasn't badly hurt but shook and bruised and we so we decided to stay there and we were in a bit of a in a very very isolated place but the point was we realized it was such a beautiful place that we would take some time and we often describe that as one of those moments where we'd literally come to the end of where we couldn't get to and for some reason, somebody or a group of people had given us another option to get even further on. Mm. And so I always say, and I say this in the book, um, there are people that have either gone before us or around us that could give us a rope, that could lend us a hand to get to the place that's inaccessible. Um, you know, and you've just described mindfulness. I'm describing, you know, moments of pause and spirituality. Mm. There are there are some there are some really great supports and tools out there and i think as long as we want to get to a place Mm. that's that seems to be out of reach i'll bet you there's a rope hiding somewhere to help you get there and and your book is one of them so please do tell yes (laughs) how they can how they can uh, get a hold of a copy of your book yeah so well obviously you can go on to amazon and just uh, any on the internet type 
pause a spiritual power by rob wikes and it, it seems to be coming up everywhere it, my website is uh is robwikes.com www.robwikes.com um uh, waterstones uh, have it um if you're not in the uk if you're in the us barnes and noble another bookstore have got it so it's pretty readily available yeah lovely um so if you want to get a copy of uh rob's book uh please do go to one of those all of the uh links for rob's website etc will be in the show notes thank you very much for your time today rob it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you it's, uh, again uh one of those things we could have just chatted for hours um <laughs> if uh do you have like a, a words of wisdom or a favorite quote that you could leave the listeners with today yes I, um i my words of wisdom are simply that your your intellect um is impressive and amazing your body um you can do anything with it if you really try we know this but your spirit is neglected very often so um give some time uh, to that that third element of who you are that's crying out spend a bit of time with me okay lovely thank you very much and i'm sure rob's book will be uh really useful in helping you to start that journey if it's something that you're interested in doing um thanks again for your time rob thank you it's a pleasure talking to you take care it's a pleasure thank you for listening please subscribe follow and review the show that is very much appreciated and please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy intimate relationships in your life I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.